welcome to this episode of Crop Talk. I am your host, Thad Stauffer, and joining me, as always, are Lucas Conmi, Jason Gama, and Tom Timko, the state insurance product officers here at Compere Financial. On this episode of Crop Talk, we're going to talk about the Heels and Heroes Act. We'll dip into the CFAP 2.0. We'll get a price update for PLC. And then dive into some claim scenarios many of you are aware of or been affected by the derecho that happened in early August. We'll touch on that as well as other potential claim scenarios to be aware of coming up this fall. And then we need to take some time to talk about marge protection, wheat, forage, PRF, DRP. So a whole host of opportunities for us to discuss. So guys, let's get right into this conversation here. Tom, if you would, you're our resident farmer, as our listeners know. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We thank you for joining us today. Tom Timko is going to kick off this conversation talking about some government programs we have here. Tom is a farmer in southwestern Minnesota and also covers the state of Minnesota for Compere Financial for the crop insurance team. Tom, give our listeners an update on where we're at. Absolutely, Thad. Uh, Let's start with PLC first. Uh, as many of us know, this is month of August. This is the last month that we're actually tracking the PLC price, right? Well, that won't get updated, it looks like, to about September 11th. Then we'll have the final PLC price. Where does this come into play? That would be the uh, county arc and the PLC programs. Those payments typically get uh, cut about the first week in November. And this is a refresher. PLC, if you've got PLC, anything below 370 triggers a loss. Now, that's the national cash average price that we're looking to track. We've been tracking these prices throughout the summer, and they haven't really dropped, which means, in my mind, it's kind of a weighted average. So I'm not sure if a lot of grain moved in June and July, right? So I'm hoping that we're going to see a change in the PLC price from where it is today. Today, if I look at it, the price is about, the estimate's about $355. i am hoping for something lower than that, but we'll know more on September 11th. And then we should have a good idea where those payments, what they're going to look like, right? So look forward to that. Um, again, PLC on corn is $370. Beans are $840. Uh, the price that we're tracking now is well above 840 on beans, so I'm not looking for anything on PLC. The majority of the people, at least in our area, have county arc in the soybeans, and uh, that'll fall out and shake out too, and we'll know more here pretty soon. All right, Tom, so you said that the, uh, the, the base price for PLC was 370. Right now we're tracking at 355, so just, just to add on to that, so we're looking at a 15 cent per bushel payment on corn, and that's going to be on 85% of your base acres by farm number. So there's a lot of words there, but we're looking at about a 15 cent per bushel payment. That's good math, Lucas. Um, I like to use the new technology and tools we have and actually put it in the program and give me the number. But yeah, you are correct on that. So thank you for that clarification and, and the information for our listeners. So let's look forward to the PLC, the county arc. We'll have more numbers if that's important to you. Otherwise, uh, that'll those checks will get cut, again, as I said, in the first week of November. The next that we got going on right now is the uh, Heels and Heroes Act, which has been going on for a while. As many of you know, the House came up with the uh, HEROES Act earlier in the summer, then the Senate came out with the HEALS Act, and then they have to get together and, and figure out what they want to do right. Uh, recently, 
I know Sonny Purdue came out with some information on CFAP2. Let's just kind of switch gears on that. And CFAP2, obviously, is going to be similar to CFAP1, except for CFAP2, their talk, the talk is it's going to be compensation for losses after April 15th. And as far as I can tell, I'm not sure. It looks like it's going to be the same thing as CFAP1, just it's going to include losses for anything after April 15th. And we're looking for that program to maybe come out between Labor Day and the end of September is the talk. So that's something else to look forward to. Um, and it looks like hopefully once the Heals and Heroes Act gets figured out, Congress will manage to pass another coronavirus relief program. Uh, there may be some additional dollars. The, the talk is for assessing losses on meat and other processors and ethanol plants. We'll see if that comes to fruition or not. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that update. Good information for sure. Let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, We saw on August 10th those straight line winds come through parts of the Midwest there, as well as uh, what I'm calling some cases drought conditions, in some cases excess moisture. So Jason is our resident expert on claims, given your claims background. Why don't you share with our listeners some important tidbits and information that they should be aware of as they're heading into harvest or if they're not planning to harvest that crop. Yeah, Thad, thanks for that. Uh, There's a lot there. Uh, We'll try to keep this somewhat short. Uh, So first off, let's just tackle the derecho event. We had a wind event, of course, you guys know, uh, early August affecting mainly Iowa, uh, but did creep over into southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois as well, just not as catastrophic uh, RMA came out with some guidance on uh, on that wind event, which is a, a little bit abnormal. Um, so we're thankful uh, for them to uh, to give some emergency guidelines, if you will, for that event. And what that basically is telling the AIPs or the claims department within the AIPs is they can go out and evaluate that ground. And if it truly is uh, flat corn from the derecho, they're able to uh, to basically make the determination that it cannot be mechanically harvested. And if that's a true statement that it cannot be mechanically harvested, then they can go ahead and zero that production out, uh, pay full liability on the policy. Uh, They can skip a couple steps that they have to normally do in the form of appraisal worksheets and whatnot. But uh, the takeaway is they can can just deem it zero value because it cannot be mechanically harvested. Um, Then from there, uh, what we're hearing, and this uh, needs to be fact-checked a little bit more, is uh, they can pretty much do what they want with it from a silage, chopping, bailing it up, uh, destroying it kind of standpoint. They can't harvest it. Obviously, if they go in and, and get this zero determination and go try to get it uh, with a combine, then all bets are off, obviously. Then, then it's no longer unavailable or unable to be mechanically harvested. Now the zero doesn't count. So uh, the biggest thing with that, Thad, is just uh, get a claim turned in. If you're in a derecho area, get the adjusters uh, locked in, loaded, and have them come out and do some evaluation. And frankly, as we sit here on, uh, well, well, basically the beginning of September, is a lot of that's probably already happened. Um, So I'd uh, encourage you to, to do that if you haven't already. Uh, Other things that are happening in the claims world, of course, we've got silage being chopped uh, at this point. Um, Guys are starting to think about uh, harvesting. Of course, we're a little ways off from that yet. Um, But frankly, uh, the biggest thing here is to turn a loss in. Anytime you're going to do anything with that crop other than harvest it, uh, you're going to want an appraisal done by the insurance company. So if you're going to chop it for silage, if you're going to put it to another use, if you're going to do anything to that crop other than harvest it for grain, 
um, you're going to want an appraisal uh, on that ground or on that crop so that uh, so that that can be locked in uh, from a guarantee standpoint. And then the last thing I'd, I'd mention at this point from a claim standpoint is as we do transition into potentially starting to harvest here soon, if you've got old grain still in the bin uh, from 2019, you're going to want to get that marked. A um, couple things you can do with that is you can ask the insurance company to come out and uh, f- file an extent or an inspection through your agent. Uh, they can come out and, and measure that old grain before you put new grain on top of it. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And then just going a step further as you're harvesting, just remember if you've got optional units or needing to keep production separate by unit, that you can self-mark your own bin as you're filling in 2020 grain that you're about to harvest. Um, you know, put a piece of uh, duct tape on the outside of the bin, mark it, what unit it came from. All of that's available uh, and, and able and, and allowable for you to do. So a couple things there. Old grain from 2019 needs to get measured by the insurance company prior to you putting new grain on top of it. Very important. If you don't do that, then that old grain is going to get counted as 2020 grain and it's going to inflate uh, your yields, which will kick you out of a loss in most cases. And then past that, just to reiterate, if you're uh, if you're going ahead and harvesting um, normally and you want to keep production separate by unit, that you're able to mark the bin yourself uh, to keep that separate for a future um, adjustment by a loss adjuster. Good. Thanks, Jason. Again, important takeaway for me as I heard that was, if I'm not sure what to do, call my agent so they can turn in a claim or inspection. And before I do anything other than normally harvesting the crop, let my agent know. Okay, good. Listen, let's uh, transition to this cop topic here where, as we were talking about this conversation, uh, we're in this period of time where a lot of decisions have to be made by September 30th and then shortly thereafter. So, Lucas, if you would take some time here with our listeners and talk with what they should be thinking about from a risk management standpoint as we near the September 30th sales closing date. Yeah, thanks, Thad. Uh, as you mentioned, we have a we're sitting here on September 2nd. We have a September 30th sales closing that's coming up for uh, wheat and forage. Uh, but real quick, I want to touch on DRP, which you brought up in the beginning. So DRP is, as we know, sold every day or pretty much every day. Um, but September 15th is going to be the cutoff for the to lock in quarter four DRP melt coverage. Uh, we do have some dates that are, it's closed, one for report, and then we have Labor Day. So we're, we're running short on days to get quarter four locked in. And if I look at yesterday, you could lock in a 1663 floor, I think, for quarter four. So still some good opportunity to lock in quarter four. Uh, so if you haven't done that, reach out to your insurance officer and get your, and get your melt covered. Uh, but back to the September 30th closing day. Yeah, we have a couple coming up. So we have wheat sales. So winter wheat um, sales comes up uh, September 30th. Make sure you talk to your insurance officer if you want to get that covered or make sure you're going over your coverage. And then also established forage is September 30th. So we're looking at two different policies there. Uh, we're looking at a forage APH policy, which is individual coverage on your established forage and then a forage AYP, which would be a county-based coverage. So those things are coming up. Uh, I want to stress the importance of at least considering looking at covering your forage. We know that's a very important crop, especially to the livestock producers. So definitely ask your insurance officers. It's not, those uh, policies aren't taken out, I would say heavily, but it's definitely something to to consider and, and have those conversations about. 
something I want to add to that, uh, if we remember to, back to last spring, even on the podcast, or you heard from your insurance officers about that SCO policy, that's that upper band of coverage that goes on top of your individual policy that goes up to 86%. Well, that policy is available on, on forage and wheat as well. And so that might be a really good opportunity to, to increase your coverage, albeit county-based, that top ban. Um, but with wheat and winter kill events or forage and winter kill events, it's typically more widespread by county. And so, or any kind of dip in prices, we can we can we have that SCO coverage. So something you, you definitely want to be aware of and ask your insurance officer if, if that's a good fit for your operation. Lucas, you said something there that really struck me, and I think it's something that, you know, the history of crop insurance maybe has not done a great job of, and and that's talking about those bands of coverage and more particularly those county-based yields. For our listeners, uh, you may have noticed, may not even know, that those bands of coverage, those county-based products that are out there, now use RMA yields. And in prior years, that was always based off of NAS yields. And I know for a lot of listeners, there were some questions about where does that yield come from? Where is that established? And really, when I'd say 2020 crop year moving forward, as we talk about in this case, 2021 crop year, those RMA yields are very important because that is all the yields being reported by those taking crop insurance. And we talk, at least in through the Midwest, roughly 90 plus percent of all acres that could be covered are being covered by crop insurance. So there's a good representative sample for those RMA yields in that county. And I think it's important because as we've looked at here at Compere, what we call the correlation to your yields, individual yields to the county, and if you correlate, then we would say you're a good candidate for county-based products. And when you bring up SCO and that county-based, I think sometimes our listeners get tuned off of that's not my yields. And what we're seeing is because the subsidy is higher on those products and I'm correlated because of the county, that comes into play a, an option we got to consider or at least talk about and let you, the listener, make those decisions as to if that's right for your farming operation. Yeah, Thad, that's a, that's a really good point. And I, an advantage of working with Compeer is, is we have a lot of tools to, to go through that correlation. The other thing is we have all the history built. So we can look at all those individual crops by county and tell you if, you know, it is backcasting, it might be a short set of data, but we can tell you that if that SEO triggered. And like I said, you know, we got we got hit pretty heavy with talking with SEO on corn and beans last spring, but I really think a, a place that's being missed is the specialty crops. And I know forage and wheat aren't specialty crops, but maybe not talked about so much in the crop insurance world. And so to at least take a look at that SEO option, to your point, it might be a, a cheaper way, um, if you want to put it that way, to go up in coverage to get 86%. You know, forage and wheat typically don't have high coverage levels from what I've seen. And I think if we looked at the numbers, that, that's the case. Well, this 86% ban, albeit county-based, could could be a good option for producers. So make sure you're asking your insurance officers about that because um, it, it could really be helpful in, in your risk management operation. So, Lucas, you talked about the forage and the importance of covering forage. I think for a lot of folks, uh, there's been some talk, but maybe not enough talk, about a product called PRF, Pasture Rangeland and Forage. Would you share some thoughts with our listeners on PRF and that placement, or even maybe a a high-level overview of what this product looks like and why it might be important for our listeners to consider down the road here? 
Sure. Thanks, Dad. This uh, the PRF product you talk about does not have a September 30th close date, so we're we're looking at the middle of November for that sales close date. So it it it's a little more drawn out. So you get some more time. If you didn't get your forage covered um, by September 30th, this this leaves another option option. So PRF pasture rangeland forage is a uh, product that covers just a shortage and rainfall by grid. And I'm not going to get into the details of the grid. I'll let the insurance officers do that. But we are essentially looking at one peril. Um, so you can coverage your, your hay ground or what I really think is advantage if you have pasture. Um, so a lot of times, you know, your pasture is going to get beat up by lack of rainfall. And so this gives you uh, the option to cover your, your pasture if you need be, or like I said, or, or your hay. And you're going to cover it in intervals by two-month intervals throughout the year. And the, the rainfall is measured. There's no claims um, being filed. It's just if, if where your land sits in that grid, if you don't get enough rain or a percentage of that you get to choose, uh, you get a payment. Uh, it's kind of set up like the county-based policies. You can go to 90% and you have a 150% payment factor. So it is um, it is advantageous to take a look at it. If you haven't covered your forage, it is another option that's out there. Again, we have a little more time to look at that. Um, it is one peril being shortage of rainfall, but it could be a good option as it um, gives you more a little flexibility. The other highlight that I like about PRF and sometimes gets missed is Unlike most of the other crop insurance policies, you have to cover all your acres by county. With PRF, you can pick and choose which acres you want to cover. So it again, it it's, gives you more flexibility in, in covering your your forage and your in your hayland. Thanks, Lucas. And again, key there is if you got questions, connect with your local insurance officer or associate insurance officer and, and talk with them to get more information. Uh, at this point in time, our our goal with our listeners here is to get you well-informed or get you to ask more questions of your local insurance officer. Let's uh, let's wrap up our conversation here today with something that is also September 30th sales closing date, and that's a product called Margin Protection. It's not a new product, but it is something that arguably a lot of areas have not talked about or considered, and it kind of fits in real nice with this conversation we just had on SCO. Tom, I'm going to look to you and see if you want to kick off this conversation and then others, if you want to jump in and add to what Tom starts. Tom? Yeah, one of the products that uh, we have not talked a lot about in the last couple of years is margin protection. This little background on margin protection is a highly subsidized county-based product. Gives you gets you up to 95% coverage with a payment factor of 120% or 1.2%. The reason why in my area we haven't done it is because we've always focused on individual bands of coverage and things that give us guarantees on our own APHs per se. There also was some hiccups in the the way the claim maybe got paid out, and we got that corrected here about a year ago. And I'm actually quite excited about margin protection and what it can do for me because of how it protects price. Albeit it's a county-based program, I'm not sure if there's a better band of coverage or coverage program out there, actually, that protects price as well as margin does. I actually have signed my apps yesterday. I'm going to wait another few days to see how the price tracks or turns out. And for the listeners out there, so margin protection is actually a fall policy. We track, you know, like if you think of your RP or basic base policies that we track during the month of February, we track those prices now from August 15th to September 14th. Right now, we're tracking roughly about 380 futures because we're based off of 2021 December corn. And I don't know what the February prices are going to be. 
380 is not really what I want. Typically, I'd prefer above $4, but I'm still a little concerned about what the markets could do from a pricing standpoint. So I'm thinking this is a good risk management program for myself, for our operation, and I'm protecting price. And so just to go in a little bit, uh, maybe the pros and cons, why I would take margin protection, it does a great job protecting price. We're tracking it now. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we don't know what the February price is going to be. I can take margin protection and have a base policy both. In lieu of that, the government allows me a premium credit to offset some of those extra costs. And actually, when I look at the numbers, my premium cost is probably for my base policy and the margin is very similar or less than my band of coverage I've been buying for the last couple years. Okay. We also have, in some companies or AIPs, uh, insurance companies, we have increasing costs for those bands of coverages. Um, I can incur a loss on a, count, on a county basis, but not on my own farm, and get paid. But also works in reverse as well, right? But that's where my base individual policy comes into play as well. So again, depending upon cost in your area, you may have extra dollars to buy additional maybe hail coverage or wind coverage if that's important to you to cover for spot losses. It also, probably most importantly, I always go back to price. If this is my, maybe I don't wanna say marketing program, but this is gonna bide me time and I'm hoping prices go higher that allows me to lock in or hedge higher prices at a profitable area. So this is gonna bide me time as well. Maybe why a producer, we'll talk about why a producer wouldn't buy margin. Uh, maybe they're still uncomfortable with county-based programs. Uh, maybe you, your personal yields don't correlate with the county very well. And as Lucas mentioned earlier, we have some pretty high-tech tools that we can actually go through and show if your farms correlate with the county or not. And maybe you just prefer individual coverage, right? I get it. Uh, maybe it's credit purposes. Maybe you have variable ground or yields, or, or your numbers just work out by having an individual band of coverage for your own individual farms. But we have those tools to help you make that decision. And if you don't take a look at margin this year, um, make sure you keep it in the back of your mind for next year. I'm not saying it's the right tool every, every year and for every producer, but uh, I'm telling you, this is an impressive looking product right now. Tom, really appreciate you taking that time to go through margin and what I would call a real honest look at that product from both why I would and maybe why I wouldn't. Uh, and really kind of how you recap that as to you got to take a serious look at that that product. Get all the information they can to make an educated decision because it's very important of what they're doing from a risk management standpoint. Well, listeners, we appreciate your time. We thank you for hanging with us here. If you're new to us, we'd ask you to go down and, and subscribe. Give us a rate. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. If you want to, leave us some information on what content you'd like to see come out of this podcast. And we look forward to connecting with you the next time around. Take care.